Hello and welcome to Pairing, a podcast where we pair wine with art and pop culture. I am your host, Emma Scherzarko, and this is a very special episode with one of my best friends in the whole wide world, Ari Levine, talking about one of my very favorite musicals, The Sound of Music, and also one of my favorite wine regions, Austria. Everything about this episode delights me, and it's the first episode we've done on musicals, so I hope you enjoy. For a little reference, Ari and I went to college together, and we both got married last year, and we were in each other's bridal parties, and we also just turned 30, and we're able to celebrate by going to our other friend from college's wedding last week. I know, so cute. This leads me to my first disclaimer, which is that I'm so sorry that this episode is coming out a little late. I've been traveling and been with family, celebrating my birthday, Sarah's wedding, and all in the woods of New England where I'm from and where there was basically no internet or cell service, and I decided to indulge myself in being unplugged. I'm recording this now on my phone in Winston and my hotel room in Atlanta where the adventure continues for us, so I apologize for the slightly inferior sound quality here. Last but not least, Tragically, there are a few moments of audio in this episode that got muffled, and I wasn't able to salvage them, so I've done my best to fill in the blanks, and hopefully what you miss will just get you excited for what's to come. I'll say no more at the moment, but it will make sense in the context of the episode. Thank you so much to our patrons, and especially to our producer-level patrons, Emma Cohen, Rena Sarame, Zoo Yorker, and Allison Toury who are all as divine as Julie Andrews, as well as our advanced producer, Mara Zobrist, who is more majestic than the hills of Austria, and our master patron, Michael Beck, who always makes the right decisions, just like the Von Trapp family. As you listen to the episode, you'll discover that I have added a new $300 a month goal to the Patreon, and I think that you'll want us to get there. So come on over to patreon.com slash pairingpodcast to pledge as little as $1 a month to help us get there. Last but not least, thank you to our sponsor for this week, Wink. I'll tell you all about Wink later on, but if you want to get $22 off your first box of awesome, unique, and delicious wine, head on over to trywink.com slash pairingpodcast and start picking out wines today. Without further ado, here is episode 45, The Sound of Music and Austrian Wine, with Ari Levine. Okay, well, I am super excited to welcome to pairing one of my dearest friends in the whole wide world, Ari Levine. Welcome, Ari. Yay. Hello. Thank you. Oh, my goodness. Thank you. No, thank you. Oh, my goodness. Thank you. (laughs) And um, and so we are going to talk about a, a genre of media and entertainment that has been off requested for episodes on pairing, but we haven't touched on it yet somehow, and that is a musical theater. Yes. Or as the case may be, uh, musicals on film, kind of. Yeah. We'll, we'll touch we'll touch a little bit on both. Oh, but Ari, I've got opinions on both the movie and uh, the stage version. Don't oh, worry. I believe I I believe you. For a little bit of context, um, Ari works in musical theater and has been doing it and working in it for 
probably close to your whole life, I would guess. Yeah, yeah. Doing it my whole life and, like, working professionally in it for, like, eight years. Holy smokes, right? we're old. We graduated college <laughs> eight years ago. Oh, my God. Uh, ah. Oh, my God. That's so scary. Well, okay. Which musical in particular are we going to be talking about today, Ari? Oh, we're talking about The Sound of Music. Of course we are. Of course we the are. The Sound of Music is just my favorite thing that there is. Yeah. I mean... And we're going to talk about it. <laughs> Amazing. I remember when I was a kid, I was obsessed with the sound of music. Over time, like, I still love it. It's very, like, near and dear to my heart. Over time, I would say other musicals have maybe replaced it as, like, my favorites, as, you know, and it's changed as time has gone on. But I love the sound of music. And I think it's a really appropriate one to be talking about right now with our current state of uh, political, uh, you know, atmosphere, whatever. But, Uh yep, we'll get into that. We'll get into that. But I, I wanted to start off. Because if we're talking about the sound of music, we obviously have to talk about Austrian wine. And I love Austrian wine. I really do. And I've talked about it like a little bit on the podcast, like here and there. And like, I think I talked about it in some of the early like Lord of the Rings episodes, but haven't really haven't really gone into a a whole lot of depth. And it really is one of the most fascinating wine regions in the world and one of my personal favorites. So, if you'll indulge me, Ari, I'm going to tell you a little bit about the history of Austrian wine. Okay. So, first of all, as I think anyone from Austria would say, um, Austrian wine is very distinct from German wine. And actually, most of the wine regions in Austria, pretty much all of them, are on the eastern part of Austria, so kind of on the opposite side from Germany. So it's kind of closer to almost like the Czech Republic, Slovak Republic, Hungary, uh, and Slovenia. So that's kind of where the wine is being grown. And I'll tell you a little bit more about all the different wine regions as we go. But it's very, the history of Austrian wine is really interesting. Um, It is possibly one of the oldest winemaking traditions in Europe. The Celts probably planted vines there as early as the 4th century BCE. So that's cool. But what we now know as Austrian wine is very different because of uh, kind of something that happened over the course of the 20th century. So what we now know as Austria was formed when the Austro-Hungarian Empire was dissolved in 1919, not too long before uh, The Sound of Music takes place, about, what, like 20 years before? Yeah, yeah. Sound of Music's like late 30s, I think. Yeah, because I think it's like 38 mm-hmm. or something, I think, is when it's supposed to take place because that's right before World Anschluss. War II. Yeah, yeah, I think. I think. I'm going to look up can... when Anschluss was and then we'll know. Excellent. Oh, Wikipedia. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Anschluss was 1938. So we were right. Perfect. Okay. Awesome. Way to go, us. So throughout the 20th century, Austria was pretty economically unstable because of things and reasons, which 
you know, somewhat connected to the sound of music. Somewhat. Not not directly to the sound of music, but, you know, the story that's going on within it. Anyway, so basically the wine industry kind of sucked. And <laughs> they they just what was what was really popular and what was selling was just kind of like swill like really cheap cheaply made sweet wine um and that was kind of that was kind of like austria's deal until there was this huge scandal in 1985 when a group of corrupt wine brokers added diethylene glycol which is a component of antifreeze to a ton of Austrian wine to make it taste, I don't know, like fuller and sweeter, but like cheaply and like, you know, not great. And a uh, fun fact, I, I believe that's the same thing that they've, or I, it might've been like traces of arsenic that they found in like mass, m- big mass wine wineries in California, like Francia. Oh no. And, I Not know, Franzia. I know, I know. You did Tour de Francia. That's why I I never did it. <laughs> <laughs> for for reference, listeners, uh, we Ari and I both went to Wesleyan, and there was this uh, delightful tradition called Tour de Francia, which I never partook in. But you you did at least once, right? Oh, I think two or three times. It was, yeah. it was just a real treat where uh, groups of <laughs> drunk college students would share, I, I would say, a, a bladder of Franzia is the correct I terminology. I think so. I think so. Yeah. Uh, my, I'll, I'll double check with the Psalms that I know. But, yeah. yeah. <laughs> a, a full bladder of uh, full. Franzia and traits about campus being loud and unruly and taking silly pictures and doing silly tasks. Yep. And uh, many a time was it that a Wesleyan student would end up in the hospital from uh, this Tour de Franzia. But, you know, some traditions you just can't, you just can't be. I wonder if they still do it now. I feel like they really tried to stop it. They really tried (laughs) to stop it, which... Let's be real. Wesleyan was just looking out for us. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I I never took part because I had already had one too many bad experiences with Franzia. So, anyway, you you were smarter than the rest of us. <laughs> eh, what can I say? Less adventurous. Um. So so anyway. So so but these these guys in Austria they did this and basically they totally revolutionized the whole wine industry in Austria and basically got rid of all the crap and all of like the big wineries there that were just making all this crap and only the kind of smaller family owned wineries kind of carried on the tradition and they did so in a in a totally new and amazing I don't know about new they might have been making good wine for a while but it wasn't selling because they had all of this like cheap stuff that everybody just wanted to buy um but Austrian wine is phenomenal and it um it is mostly (laughs) I'm just gonna read my notes here the result of this scandal was a total revolution and renaissance of quality winemaking Mostly small family-owned wineries were left to rebuild the Austrian wine industry. I almost said the Australian wine industry. That would have been a twist. Very different. Um, Yeah, very different. (laughs) I've got an Um, anecdote about Austria and Australia. Fabulous. I love it. 
anytime we can bring in Australian anecdotes, I love it. Um, and then I wrote here, much like the Von Trapps had to rebuild their life at the end of this film. There's the first connection. Wow. So we'll we'll get to that in in uh, a moment. Some more connections between you know the Austrian wine industry and the sound of music. But what's really interesting now is after all this kind of like all this scandal and like adding all this crap to things, um, Austria now has the largest percentage of land that is certified organic for the productions under the laws of the EU, which is a whole thing in and of itself. Like I've talked to many. European winemakers who think that the organic certification is totally corrupt and that whole the whole industry like company that m- moderates that it's it's kind of it's kind of messed up however um Austria also is a leader in biodynamic farming which is that cool practice like where you plant grapes and harvest them in tandem with the phases of the moon it's like a very old practice and uh it's super super cool and uh, many many of their wines are biodynamic okay cool that's uh that's what i wanted to just start us off with little baseline of austrian wine info now let's talk about the sound of music yes um so I starting to talk about the sound of music and Austria. Um, I have yes. to say that so I got married just six weeks after Emma did. Emma oh was my there. god, we were in each other's bridal parties. Yeah, we're very cute. Um, but <laughs> my husband cute. and I went on our honeymoon to Austria partly That's because right. I love the sound of music so much. Um, <laughs> so we went to we were in Vienna, but we were also in Salzburg, which is where the sound of music takes place. And we did the sound of music tour, uh, and it was really oh the god, best one of the best days of my life. That's so amazing. <laughs> my my Austria Australia anecdote is in Austria. Yes. They have these very goofy t-shirts and signs saying "No kangaroos in Austria." <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, that's so silly. So <laughs> it silly. was very no. goofy and silly. Austria strikes me just from like what I know of like the wine industry and what I've heard. Austria sounds like it has like a very good sense of humor. I don't know if that's true. Yeah. But. Yeah, they're definitely they've got like a dry sense of humor and particularly in Salzburg because so many tourists come there because of the sound of music. I uh, bet. Yeah, there I think the locals are like who are these weird like tourists? So many tourists though. It's like half of their tourism industry. Like who oh, are I these bet. weird people who love this movie that we don't care about? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But we'll make money off of you. Don't worry. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like that is the same thing. I haven't done it yet, but I will. I will do it. I will do the Lord of the Rings tour in New Zealand at some point. And I feel like it's probably the same thing. Um, Where Though though I think people in New Zealand love Lord of the Rings, too. Mm -hmm. They're, like, super into it and and are pretty proud of those movies, as they should be. So maybe that's like a slight difference, but I know that like a ton of their tourism industry now is big, big old nerds coming down. And, that makes sense. Uh, <laughs> yep. It's also beautiful. So <laughs> absolutely. And so just to give just to give some geographic context, Salzburg is kind of like central Austria, right? 
Yes. Oh my God. I don't want to be wrong on a podcast. I, yeah. <laughs> to a place I was like a couple months ago. Hey, I'm so bad with geography. And actually, I've said this before, but part of why I love learning about wine is it actually helps me understand geography better because I'm like, okay, I know where this wine region is and I know that that city is close to there. And so if it makes me feel better, I was looking up a map of Austria when I was preparing for this and I was like, oh, Salzburg is there. So I didn't know. But Vienna is on the eastern coast it's not a coast because it's It's, landlocked yeah it's on the river it's on the danube um yes yeah it's yeah it's on the other border so it's further west salzburg is yes it is i'm like looking at a map right now yes salzburg is further west so it's like right on the like very close to the german border right and vienna is pretty close to like bratislava yes Yes. So if you're looking at that map, I'm also now looking at a map of Austria. And yes, so Salzburg is like kind of right on the German border there. And uh, Vienna is much closer to, is that the Slovak Republic there? Czech Republic, Slovak Republic. Around Vienna is... Here, I'm going to I'm going to show you this, Ari, and listeners, I'll post a, a link to a map in the show notes. But so that's Salzburg. This is where all the wine is made. That's that's gotcha. Vienna. There. OK. Yeah. And we took yeah. on our honeymoon. We took a train from Salzburg to Vienna and it was oh. very beautiful. Oh, my God. Winston is gonna like die when he hears that. And it was like he, snowing he loves trains. and Christmas. Oh my and god, lovely. Stop. Oh We're god, in Salzburg on Christmas. Like, there's a big fortress in the middle of the city that, like, the city is built around this 11th century fortress. Um, and so we were like up on the fortress, like looking out onto the countryside while snowflakes started to go on. Like, it oh was god, Christmas stop. Day, and it was. Oh my god, it was pretty stop. beautiful. It sounds so beautiful. Just gonna add that to my ever-growing list of places. Just need to go that to all I need the places. To go. Just need to go all, all the places. Just all of them. Yeah, yeah. So you, you and Anthony kind of did, you did like you went to Germany too, right? Yeah. So we did. We flew into London because it's just mm-hmm. easy to fly it's into easier, London. Yeah. And we saw Hades Town before it was on Broadway. <gasps> Yet another musical won Best Musical at the Tonys this year and is. So good. I still haven't seen it. And since I don't live in New York anymore, it's harder for me to see things. But I've heard it's so good and I can't wait to see it at some point. The soundtrack comes out really soon. Um, so okay. check out the soundtrack and this is my plug for the listeners that Hades Town is amazing. Yes. Awesome. Okay. Go see Hades Town or buy the soundtrack if Probably by the time this episode comes out, the soundtrack will be out. So yeah. go buy it right now. So yeah, we were in London where we saw Hades Town, and then Salzburg trained to Vienna, and then we spent like a week in Berlin. Ugh. And Berlin Sounds is amazing. awesome. It was very cold and very dark, but it was great. Yeah, yeah, because you went kind of winter time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we were there like Christmas to New Year's. That sound it it sounds chilly, but it also sounds magical. There were Christmas markets, and they give you Glühwein, which is hot oh, wine. Oh yes, Glühwein. Yes, it's like a it's like a mold spiced wine. Yes, right? and all the all little Christmas markets have their own souvenir mug. And so you, like, get the souvenir mug with the glue vine 
Um, and then you can like fill it up at all their little booths. Oh my God. That sounds amazing. That's great. Sounds amazing. So great. Yes. I, I we, we sold some glue vine at, at the store that I worked at because it, it's like a kind of, you know, niche thing and that American like Americans who know what it is are mm-hmm. like oh yes I want some glue vine Ooh, yes. so yeah <laughs> so that's awesome but that I didn't realize that it was like a you could just walk around with it that's that's awesome Delightful. yes and so so you kind of did northern and eastern Europe and Winston and I did Italy and Spain yes um, for our honeymoon someday we'll switch someday we'll switch we'll have to do the reverse the reverse honeymoon yeah (laughs) reverse honeymoon tour yes exactly um okay well i'm curious to hear because you said you had feelings about the movie versus theatrical productions of the sound of music so i'm curious to hear your thoughts okay so here here are my here are my things so i the sound of music the movie to me is is the sound of music. Like, yes. I love the sound of music, the movie, partly because obviously the music and the scenery and the plot and all of that, but it's also weird. And I think no yeah. one thinks of the sound of music as like, the, I don't know, you think of it as like white bread, kind of classic 60s, uh, right. you know, like Oklahoma or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, Rogers and Hammerstein. Exactly. But what I've found, and you mentioned earlier that like you loved the sound of music as a kid and there are other musicals that have become your favorite as you've gotten older. I've a yeah. little bit found the opposite where when I was a kid, mm. it was like one of the movies that I loved, but I don't think I liked it more than, you know, Disney movies, like the little mermaid. Sure. Um, sure. But as I got older and what, for some reason, my, uh, my, best friend in high school who's still my dear friend Charlie um we got very (laughs) we got very into the sound of music in high school and then we were in a production of it together uh our Mm -hmm. junior year I think um and we just realized like how goofy the movie is and like there's just (laughs) there are all of these moments that like in a movie made now would never be allowed to happen Julie Andrews is like such a like obviously she has a voice like a bell she's the most perfect person but she's a goofball Um, yeah and they just like there there are these moments where she like puts her hand on her head and goes oh (laughs) and just like yeah the cutest way that like I I think would have just been edited out of a more contemporary movie and you just I don't know you see these like delightful moments and I've really come to appreciate kind of the quirkiness of the movie mm, and I can talk yeah. about like a few other moments of that um that just like sure. bring a smile to my face absolutely but so okay so that's the movie and I I truly think that like the sound of music movie is the like not the only version of the sound of music but it's the true version it is the the quintessential it version is the quintessential version so the stage play which I've I was in in high school, but also mm-hmm. we, I work in uh, marketing for touring Broadway and regional theater, and we had a recent touring production of it, um, which was gorgeous and wonderful, and I loved. But there's some, like, p- weird songs. Like, the songs are in different orders. 
Um, huh. And there's some added numbers. Uh, Max, which is like the probably gay uncle. Uh, right. And, <laughs> and Elsa, who is uh, the character I played in high school, who's like oh, Elsa. the girlfriend, I guess, of Captain Von Trapp, who wants to send the children to boarding school and is just like it's mean the, and fabulous. The Baroness. Yes, She's, the Baroness, the, Elsa Von yes. Schrader. Oh, I didn't realize you were the Baroness. I was the Baroness. <laughs> oh my God, I would pay so much money to see you There's playing the Baroness. There's a VHS at my parents' house. Fabulous. Next time, next time we hang out with the Levines. Exactly. We'll break out the VHS. Yeah, definitely, <laughs> definitely got to do it. Um, so yeah, El- Elsa von Schrader's very fabulous. Um, in the movie particularly, but she and Max like have a couple songs. In the stage play, huh. which doing it in high school, I got to sing those songs and I was delighted by yeah. it. Um, and, right. you know, happy to have more to do and like more lines oh, right. and solos. <laughs> of course, of course. Because she doesn't, in the movie, she doesn't really sing. She doesn't at sing. All. Yeah. And hmm. neither does Max. Um, huh. But yeah, it just, I don't know, everything just hangs together in the musical so well. And I, I don't know, it just, to me, the stage play doesn't have as much impact but i think it's also like the association with the with the movie musical and julie andrews particularly is just so strong absolutely i'm trying to think i'm trying to think of something similar you know like where there's like a particular actor who plays a role that the the one that comes to mind which is not necessarily how i feel but i know like some people who love little women mm-hmm. like katherine hepburn is their joe march you know sure. and and like I personally grew up on the Winona Ryder me version, too. <laughs> so so to me Winona Ryder is Joe March, but I still like Katherine Hepburn. But anyway, there's uh, going to be a very Little good Women example. with Saoirse Ronan. I know, and Emma Watson. Yes, I'm I know. all in. I'm all. I am for super it. super excited about it, and I think Timothy Chalamet is <gasps> going to be Laurie. Um, okay. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah, I but... feel medium about him, but we'll, yeah, we'll me see. too. We'll we'll put aside our Timothy Chalamet feelings. We will for for right now. But yes, so here for that. Cool. Well, yeah, I I have never seen a. I don't think I've ever seen a stage production of The Sound of Music. It's possible that I saw because I used to see a bunch of musicals when I was little. My my mm-hmm. parents would take me. Um, I definitely remember seeing Carousel, which was traumatic. Yeah, um, Carousel is. <laughs> super rough one yeah but i don't think i ever saw a stage production of the sound of music so to me too the movie is the sound of music and we don't even talk about the tv one. Oh yeah no that we we just don't speak of it <laughs> we just don't speak of it it's not right and proper to speak no, of those things no. <laughs> although laura benanti uh who played elsa in a the Baroness uh, Elsa yes. in the TV version is a national treasure. She's a Broadway star and she's just hilarious and wonderful. Oh, fabulous. I don't think I've seen the TV version either. That's okay. But, yeah. <laughs> we don't need to speak about it. We don't it. need to speak about it. Well, and also, you know, like that was a phenomenon. It just like movies like The Sound of Music where there's like an entre-act mm-hmm. and you know, like it's like four hours long. We don't get that anymore. We now get sequels. Right. You know, or either it's condensed down or it's 
blown up. And, and so, and that's, that's a phenomenon that I, that I kind of miss because I loved watching old musicals from, you know, the fifties and sixties and, and like it really feeling like almost like a, a theatrical experience in yeah. some ways. Like you get an intermission. Totally. And I I feel like, I don't know, there was definitely a time when movies and theater were a lot closer together. And a mm-hmm. movie was like a, this, I'm, this is way back farther, but like, I feel like early movies were really just like a taped stage play. Um, and so I feel like, you know, by the 60s, movies were a lot more sophisticated. I'm thinking right. of, um, oh, anyways, whatever. Some some very, very old movie that I saw in high school. Uh, sure. But by the 60s, obviously, film was more sophisticated, but there was still kind of that, like, more theatrical quality to it that they were definitely mm-hmm. capturing uh, in yeah. The Sound of Music. And I, th- I feel like there's so many people who only have seen the first half of the Sound of Music movie. Huh. Which is fascinating because, you know, there's that, like, nice intermission. And really, like, most of the good songs are in the first act. And yeah. then the second act is where things get kind of scary if you're a little kid. Or really all yeah. of us today. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and so if you want, like, Sound of Music without the Nazis, like, you can kind of just watch the first act. Totally. Which is, like, I I think everyone should see the whole Sound of Music, but I understand parents who... Of uh, course. ...want to just, like, show the first, you know, the first half to their kids. Of course. Yeah. And because, you know, also, as kids, I'm not really sure that I quite understood what was going on entirely. Mm-hmm. Like I I think when I first saw it, I didn't I didn't know. I didn't know much about World War II. I didn't know much about Nazis and Hitler, and so I just knew that like something scary was happening yeah. and there were bad people. But it's interesting now and what I think is especially the reason why the sound of music is uh kind of prescient at this moment is because it's fundamentally about a family of privilege not running away from making hard decisions about, like, what the right thing to do is. And that's something, you know, to a certain extent. Yeah. It's and then not they like... do run away. <laughs> yeah. They do actually run away, but they run away because they've made a hard decision right yeah right but they they kind of leave their privilege behind a little bit in favor of making the right decision and I think that that's something that we and many of our listeners uh can appreciate as uh now is a good time to remember to uh you know leave your privilege for you know to like save people's lives sometimes you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not going to get into it too much more than that. Yeah. But, that's you fair. know, don't uh, be friends with Nazis. Yeah. Just don't do it. Yeah. Don't do it. Even if they give you nice things. Yeah. Don't do it. Um. So one, <laughs> a sidebar on that. So the Captain, yeah. Captain Von Trapp, what is very funny to me is he's a naval captain and Austria is yeah. landlocked. Yeah. <laughs> and I guess, like, sure, uh, com- countries that are landlocked probably have to have navies just for, like, 
I don't know, general I imagine so, war yeah. stuff. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but it's it always has seemed goofy to me that like, yes, he's a naval captain. <laughs> it does seem a little goofy. Um, well, this sort of brings me, I'm going to make, I'm going to make a convoluted tangent. Let's do it. Um, it's my favorite. Um, but speaking of like the Navy, obviously the largest body of water in Austria is the Danube. The, yes. The river. We took a boat and... ride on the Danube during our oh, honeymoon. Oh, stop. Oh, stop it. It was during getting... sunset and very oh. cold. <laughs> Because it was winter. Yeah. <laughs> but lovely. Very lovely. But I'm, I hope so. I hope so. But yeah. So, okay. So the Danube, does it, it go through Salzburg as well? Or it's around Salzburg? No. It definitely goes through Vienna. Yeah. Yeah. We did a trip in Vienna. Okay. So, okay. So this is going to bring me back to some wine stuff in Austria. Because yes. the the major wine region in Austria is called Niederösterreich. There's a lot of really fun words uh. to 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 say when it comes to Austrian wine. Yeah. Uh, and so Niederösterreich, I think, literally means lower Austria, which is confusing because it's the furthest north part of Austria. Huh. It's kind of the top northeast uh, part of Austria. And the reason why I was looking this up, the reason why it's called that is because it refers to the lower part of the Danube River, which flows oh. through that region. There you go. So um, so in Niederösterreich, there are a few different tiny subregions, including the the kind of most important region in all of Austria. And it's teeny tiny, but it's called the Wachau. And um, that is where most of the country's great Grunewaldlina comes from. And I've talked about Grunewaldlina a little bit on the podcast before, but it is kind of Austria's bread and butter. It is, um, it's a white grape. It is super delicious. And what I love about Gruner is like they often, they often bottle it in liter bottles. So a little bit bigger than the normal 750 milliliter bottles. And it's my favorite thing because I've been selling Gruner forever and most, you know, most of the like inexpensive ones come in those liter bottles and with a screw cap. And uh, it always just amuses me whenever I would like try to use that as a selling point to a customer. I'd be like, and you get more because it's a liter bottle. And they're like offended that I would suggest that they would Ugh. want to drink more. I was like, <laughs> I was like. You're buying wine. Like, <laughs> I assume you're going to drink it. <laughs> That's so weird. It's so weird. It's such a weird phenomenon, as if that was, like, offensive. But so you can get, you can get like, you know, kind of really inexpensive Gruner that's usually really good. Um, you know, like a liter bottle for, like, 12 to $15 a bottle. That's really good. And my favorite, my favorite one that you can find is called Burger. So B E R G E R, look out for that. It's it's in most places in the states. I've seen it most places, and it's delicious. Highly recommend it. Great summer wine, and but then you can get some really high end Gruners that are like quite expensive and quite extraordinary. And I've been lucky to try some of those, and most of those are coming from the Wachau region. There's also just north of the Wachau is Kremstal and Kamtal. 
And then the rest of Niederösterreich is referred to as Weinwirte. Before we continue talking about the sound of music and Austrian wine, now seems like a great time to tell you about our sponsor for this episode, Wink. Winston and I have been loving our Wink subscriptions so much, and part of what I love is that they are constantly adding new and interesting wines to choose from, which, appropriately for this episode, now includes a Gruner Veltliner, the famous white grape of Austria. I can't wait to try that one, as well as some other new and unusual wines that they've added recently, like a Sicilian Frappato, one of my favorite, more obscure, lighter reds, and a Graciano, a spicy red from Spain. Wink is the only wine subscription service that I've found that delivers high-quality wines at excellent prices, while also working directly with the winemakers and being dedicated to education. It's so easy to get started. You take their palate quiz, and they choose four wines for you, which you can keep, swap out, add to, or subtract from. There's no obligation and no fees, and you can skip shipments at any time. And right now, you can get $22 off your first order by going to trywink.com slash pairingpodcast. And it gets even better. I know you all hate paying for shipping, so Wink will actually pay for your shipping on orders of four bottles or more. So take something off your to-do list. Just go to trywink.com slash pairingpodcast to get $22 off your first order now. That's T-R-Y-W-I-N-C dot com slash pairing podcast. Now back to the show. I don't normally go into this much detail into like subregions. The names are just so fun to say. So <laughs> Austrian and German is very fun. It's also we we were kind of obsessed. I'm also probably super mispronouncing everything. So I apologize to anybody who speaks German. <laughs> <laughs> we on our honeymoon, Anthony and I were very obsessed with people with Viennese accents speaking English. Mm. Because it's very fun and weird. Um, Christoph Waltz, I think, is actually Viennese um, or from... I believe that's true. Yeah. So it's like a Christoph Waltz accent, but like for some people more extreme. Uh, When we were in Vienna, we went to the like gorgeous big cathedral there that um, like everything else in Vienna looks like it's been around for hundreds or thousands of years, but actually was totally rebuilt after World War II. Um, Vienna is fascinating because it was real bombed during World War II, but everything was restored pristinely. And so when you walk around, you're like, I don't know what year it is. That sounds I that that I can correlate to what I was talking about earlier to the Austrian wine industry, which is like it's incredibly old. It's one of the oldest, you know, histories of viticulture in Europe. But everything as it is now is only like 40 years old. Yeah. But it feels it feels very grounded in its traditions. So that's that's very interesting. That's yeah. Like it- kind of a commitment to making things nice and new, but look and feel old. I love that. Yes. Yeah. It was fascinating. The, um, the contrast between Vienna and Berlin, and I would say Salzburg was sort of in the middle where Berlin, you walk around the streets and you're like, Berlin has had a crazy 20th century. <laughs> and like, you did, holy shit. Yeah. 
<laughs> insane. And you just, you walk down the street and, you know, you see like, you know, some big church that has been around for hundreds of years and looks untouched. And then you'll see all of this new construction that like has only been built since the Berlin Wall came down. And you've got East Berlin and West Berlin that architecturally look totally different. And there's this church that like is only half, it's an old church, but it's only half up. Because the other half huh. was bombed during the war, and they left it up as, like, a reminder of the horrors of war. Wow. Which is, which is like, creepy and intense, but, like, Berlin, it you know that some shit's gone down, whereas Vienna totally. is, like, nothing happened. You know, and people certainly acknowledge that things happen there, but walking along the streets, it kind of looks like, like, you wouldn't have known that That's really interesting. Happened. That's fascinating. And I, th- you know, I don't know all that much about Austrian versus German culture, but it it does seem like there's there's some cultural stuff there. I my understanding is that Austria has a very distinct culture from and and in many ways depending on where you are, I'm sure, but like in many ways it's a little bit closer to those European Eastern European countries culturally than than it is to German Germany. Do not quote me on that. I certainly <laughs> don't know the intricacies. You know, like I read it somewhere, you know, somehow. But I do know that for the wine industry, Austria is very adamant about it, how, how it is very different from German wine, because it, it is. And one, the, the kind of biggest example of that is with Riesling. Um, so Riesling is obviously the the biggest most important grape in germany but they they also produce a ton of riesling in austria and it's fabulous and what i always tell people because people always think that riesling is always sweet and that is false it is not always sweet but german riesling is often sweet and German wine bottle labels are so impossible to decipher. They're, they're even hard, like, if you know what everything means. Like, I've been working in the wine industry for six years. I still struggle to, like, figure out what's going on on a German wine label. But Austrian wine, Austrian Riesling is almost always dry. So when people are looking for a Riesling, but they want it to be dry, I say, here, try an Austrian Riesling because they're always dry. And so that's that's one way in which they're they're quite different. Um, also, Austria just has kind of, I don't know, um, probably a more diverse wine that they produce because so as talking about Niederösterreich kind of in the northern northeastern part, if you go further south, um, there's a region called Bergenland and Bergenland is where they produce Blaufränkisch, my favorite red grape from Austria. Um, <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I can't help myself. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so so you've got the the major the major wines, the major grapes that they produce in Austria are Grüner Veltliner, Riesling, Blaufränkisch, and Zweigelt. And Zweigelt is a hybrid between Blaufränkisch and a grape called Saint Laurent. There you go. But I love Blaufränkisch, and it's pretty, like, unfortunately relatively hard to find in the States. You know, if you go to a big wine store, they'll probably have, like, one or two. But 
Uh, but if you if you find one, check it out. They're delicious. So that is that is my recommendation. Try some Blaufränkisch. And specifically, there's there's this one wine that I used to sell in New York that I can't find anymore. And it's called, uh, it's from a producer named Pietnauer. And they make this wine called Pitti, P-I-T-T-I. It's got a pretty little bird on it. And uh, it's mostly Blaufränkisch. I think it's got a little Zweigelt in there. It is so good. And I want it. So if anybody finds it, tell me and I'll go there. I don't care where it is. <laughs> Yum. Yum. That sounds great. And then I just wanted to talk about, I'll, I'll mention a couple other big name producers, but the other main one that I wanted to mention is one of my favorite ladies in the wine industry, Ingrid Groys. And she makes like Gruner Veltliner, Riesling. She makes this, another kind of uniquely Austrian wine is Gemixtersatz. I never can pronounce that right. But Gemixtersatz is like a field blend. So it's a blend of like 10 to 20 different grapes. And it's a white wine and it's nice and really light and crisp and delicious. And Ingrid Royce also makes a delicious rosé. It used to be called, it used to be called summer vine, like literally summer wine, but she changed the name of it a couple of years, a couple of vintages ago, and now it's called like Hassenheide. It's really hard to find. It's highly allocated. But if you find Ingrid Groys's rosé, you know, for the love of Julie Andrews, get a a bottle. Our queen. I feel like, I feel like Ingrid Groys is the Julie Andrews of the wine industry. She's just amazing and perfect and and like kind of kind of quirky like the wine she makes they're they're kind of fun and unusual but just so good so so good so yeah get anything by Ingrid Groys and she's working in the Weinbiertel okay so this is one of those tragic moments where Ari's audio got a bit muffled but I managed to salvage a few of the abundant rules for the sound of music drinking game to get you excited to play such a game and also I have updated our Patreon goals to include a $300 per month goal in which Ari and I will find our way to one another and live stream ourselves playing said drinking game while watching The Sound of Music. If that sounds like something that you would like to see, head on over to the Patreon and pledge us a dollar or more. Did I did I never make you play it in college? Oh, I I I might have made you play it in college. I think you did, but I can't remember the rules. Okay, it's a real treat. There's too many yeah. rules, um, but all oh, the rules yeah. are amazing. Okay, lay it on me. For each moment of spoken wisdom or a nostalgic anecdote, uh-huh. for each longing look directed at the captain, <laughs> whenever Maria is wearing curtains or something silky and blue. A lot of silky blue. Um, Two drinks whenever you think Maria's haircut is looking especially lovely in that scene. <laughs> Every time Liesel, which is the oldest daughter, enters the room looking busty, saucy, or anything vaguely sultry. Oh, she is she's very sultry. She is. And 16. Going on 17. <laughs> Going so, on 17. Fun fact, Charmian Carr, who played Liesel in the movie, was the same age or very close to the same age as Julie Andrews. I believe it. That, that often is the case. Whenever Gretel mentions her sore finger or falls asleep. Oh, oh Gretel. Uh, anytime you do two sips every time someone inflicts an act of violence on the Baroness. Oh, no. 
what what are other good ones? Um, you drink whenever the Baroness gives a bitchy smile, indicating she's up to something. <laughs> one of those weird moments in this movie that I, I really don't think would be in it if it was made now. Towards right. the end of the movie, uh, when the captain and Maria and the children are performing at the big amphitheater. Right. Um, they, you know, they're winning the prize, but between their performance and when the prizes are announced, they escape. Um, and right. they, they, like, have a little bit of time to escape uh, because there there's some time when the other prizes are being announced. So one of, like, the third or second place winner is some lady who comes onto stage and just keeps bowing <laughs> that's right vigorously I do that. and it's yeah. just like it's just so weird and quirky and like why is that there but i yeah i love that anyways sound music drinking game there are more rules than i mentioned but really check it out because it's just it's a treat and you'll get messed up <laughs> i think um i think we're gonna have to make it a goal on the patreon that when we get to a certain amount on the Patreon, uh, we either will fly you to Santa Fe or we will fly to L.A. and um, and we will do a live stream of us watching The Sound of Music and playing The Sound of Music drinking game with Austrian wine. I'm so down. Done. That sounds amazing. Yes. Done. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody. Love it. Get your Patreon All right, everybody. Get, dollars going. Yeah. We're going to make this You got to make this happen. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta make it happen. <laughs> That's amazing. Okay, I have a couple. I've got a couple of last wine things to to say, but not very much more. Um, and then I have a couple of questions for you yeah. about the sound of music. First of all, I just wanted to share uh, another fun wine word to say. Um, so most Austrian wine is dry. Um, as I was saying before, so not sweet, but they do make some dessert wines. And my favorite of which to say, and it is also delicious, is called Trockenbieren Auslese. So Whoa. if you would like some uh, Trockenbieren Auslese, uh, it, it's, it's delicious if you're looking for some, if you're looking for some, uh, you know, just some, some nice little dessert. Um, okay, so I mentioned the major grapes, Grüner Veltliner, Riesling, Blaufränkisch, and Zweigelt. The first two are white. The second two are red. Um, I talked about Gemixtersatz. They also make a, a bunch of Sauvignon Blanc in, uh, in Austria, and it's delicious. They make Pinot Blanc there, but it's called Weißburgunder. Basically, everything sounds better in, in Austria and Germany. And they make also another wine called Welsh, Welsh Riesling, I believe is how you say it, which is not the same as Riesling. Because why? Why not? Because Why would it be the why, same? Why would it be the same? <laughs> another fun fact about Austrian wine, you can always tell that a bottle of wine is Austrian because it's got the flag on, on the top of the bottle. Or not the whole flag, but it's got like the two, two red stripes and one white stripe in the middle, I think. Um, so you can always tell when a, when a bottle of wine is from Austria. Very helpful uh, for people who work in wine stores. And um, they they kind of, I don't know if they began the trend, but many, many of their wines are, are screw cap. Um, so they kind of started that phenomenon, the, the screw cap phenomenon, which is actually 
probably much, definitely much better for the environment and that rather than using cork and, uh, and possibly better for the wine too. So there's really no reason not to do screw caps except people's romantic, you know, nostalgia, the, the kind of feeling of romance when you open a, a bottle of wine with a cork in it. Oh, that's so good to know. I won't be like yeah. snooty about that. Yeah, no, you don't. You definitely don't have to be snooty about that. A lot of really nice wines from Austria have screw cap. So there you go. Um, and then just a couple other producers to look out for. I talked about Ingrid Groys in the northern part of Austria and Pietnauer in Burgenland. Um, a couple other amazing ones are Brundelmeier. Oh, this is actually a fun, fun little anecdote from the other night. I kind of had a, a sassy Maria moment um, because we went out we we went out to dinner with Winston's parents and a couple of their friends and we and we went to this restaurant and the psalm there was like this douchey broy dude who would only talk to our friend who's the sweetest man in the world but he's you know he's probably like 80 something and he's like a, a nice looking white man and he would only talk to him about the mm. wine list and I was like, I know things. I drink and I know things. But anyway, that was fun. But we, we got a, a bottle of Brundelmeier Gruner, and it was delicious. Nikolai Hoff is a great producer. Pickler, Loimer. Oh, and I mentioned Burger before for the kind of more affordable ones. There's so many great Austrian wines. Try Austrian wine. That's, that's what I have to say about Here's my question for you. Yes. Did you learn anything about Kirsch or Kirschwasser? I mean, y- yes. I had like the, the cherry liqueur. Yeah, or cherry brandy, which I guess yeah, is cherry distilled brandy. from wine. So the, what we noticed in Austria, particularly in Salzburg, is like uh-huh. all of the older ladies would come into a cafe in like the afternoon and they'd get their piece of cake and then they'd have like a little kirsch on the side. Yeah. And it was just like very classy and fabulous. I, my only real experience with kirsch or kirschwasser is, um, you know, we'd sell, we'd sell it in like pints and, and there were a few people who were really into it. And I think, you know, it's probably the same thing. Like every country kind of has its, thing Mm -hmm. has its like little liqueur or aperitif or whatever that is like very quintessentially that country like I would say in Spain vermouth was a big one um in Italy they've got amaros so like bitter liqueurs so what my my guess would be I don't actually know but my guess would be that um kirsch is kind of like you know Austria's that's it's that's its thing. Yeah. I've never actually I've never actually had it. Yeah, we never we never had it when we were there, but we were delighted by the the older ladies. I love who that. Came that sounds delicious. It's like yeah. ouzo in Greece. I think ouzo is yeah. their version of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I was I went there abroad in one summer of college, and the people I was abroad with were like, "Listen, ouzo with sprite." is amazing (laughs) it's it's actually so good um because it's like it's it's like anise 
flavored. Like, yeah, it's got that flavored. kind of licorice kind of flavor. Yeah. And yeah, it goes great in Sprite and is like a real nice summer drink. Awesome. <laughs> so awesome. that was our like summer in Greece eating, drinking ooze Love Sprite. it. Love it. Okay. Just a couple last questions yes. for you about The Sound of Music. One, do you have a favorite song? Two, do you have a favorite Von Trapp child? Oh, great questions. Um, yeah. My favorite song is I Have Confidence. Oh. Um, yeah, which is the song <laughs> Maria sings when she is... Uh, so it, it actually is one of the songs where you see the most of Salzburg. Um, cause she's kind of, yeah. she's getting from the church, the Abbey where she's been living to the Von Trapp's house. Um, and so you really see, one of, one of the songs where you see a lot of Salzburg. Um, and yeah, she's got her little bag and she's just dancing around and saying that she has confidence in herself. And so anytime I'm like about to do something big, like it's the first day of a new job or, you know, something like that. Yeah, I always yeah. play myself. I have confidence. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I love that. That's yeah. so good. I don't know. I'm trying to think if I have a favorite song from The Sound of Music. They're all so good. I mean, probably the one that I would, like, sing the most to myself and probably most kids did was Doe a Deer. Mm-hmm. Um, or, or these are a few of my favorite things. I don't yeah. know. That, that one might be... My favorite things might be my favorite. Uh, that's a really, really good one. When another honeymoon anecdote. So when we were on the Sound of Music bus tour, which if you're ever in Salzburg, I highly recommend. It's ridiculous. There's a big bus with like a picture of Julie Andrews on it. Amazing. <laughs> um, so they like take you to a lot of the sites that you see in the movie in in town. Um, which are all, you know, very, very neat. But then the second half of the tour, they take you into the Alps um, and into this like little town that's probably an hour away where they did the wedding scene. Ooh. And so, and it's just so gorgeous. And they start playing the overture and they're just like, just think about Rogers and Hammerstein looking at these beautiful views and writing this music. And then they're quiet and you just like, listen to the overture while like looking out at the Alps and it's incredible. That is, that sounds amazing. Yeah. That sounds incredible. It was was wonderful. Oh my God. Plug for the Sound of Music tour. Yes. (laughs) Shameless plug. They, they, I mean, they, they, they probably need our help getting people. Oh yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I also, I just wanted to, part of the reason why I think my favorite things or is it my favorite things or these are a few of my favorite things? I think it's my title. favorite things. I think so too. But I often sing that or and change the words when I'm just like home with my cats. No. I'll like start singing it to, to Kiki. Kiki loves music. Queen hates music. It's really funny. Oh, buddies. <laughs> That's really cute. They're, they're so funny. Okay. And then... I definitely have a favorite Von Trapp child. Oh, yeah. Who's and it your favorite is, child? Uh, Brigitta, who I believe is the second youngest. Mm-hmm. And she, like, I just remember... switches names with Louisa. Yeah. Brigitta. She's Louisa. Uh, That's right. Yes. Maybe the third youngest? Let, let's look it up to be sure. Yeah. Yeah. Let's... I just remember when I 
was, uh, you know, because I always used to want to be in, in musicals when I was a kid and, like, loved them. And then over time I realized that, yeah, I'm just not the best singer in the world, and that's fine, and I've come to accept that. I have my strengths, and that's not really one of them. But I really wanted to be Brigitte in in a production of The Sound of Music. <laughs> I'm trying to figure... I, I want to say she's, like... Brigitte's like right in the middle. Yeah, I think she's. I forget. Well, yeah, because there's Friedrich. Friedrich is second oldest, right behind Liesel. Yes. Let's see. Can let's see if I can do the names. Okay. Liesel Friedrich. Liesel Friedrich. Louisa. Mm-hmm. Brigitte. Kurt. Mm-hmm. Gretel. Perfect. Nailed okay. it. So yeah, she's she and Louisa are like the middle girls. They're and, like the middle girls. Yeah, and their thing is that when they introduce themselves to Maria, they switch names. That's uh, right. And then Brigitte comes next and she's like, I'm Brigitte, she's Louisa. And she's like sassy. They're 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 like the Fred and they're the Fred and George of uh of the Von Trapp children. Fa- okay, oh, favorite, oh yes. So which one is your Von Trapp child? Um, I'm going to say, well, Liesl is fabulous. Um, Liesl is wonderful. Sadly, this is the last moment where Ari's audio got a bit muffled. But for context, Ari's favorite Von Trapp child is Marta, because she's so cute and desires a pink parasol for her birthday. Who doesn't want, everyone needs a pink parasol. Who doesn't want a pink parasol for their birthday? It's so true. It's so true. All right. Well, on that note... On the pink parasol note, unless there's anything else that you wanted to touch on. Oh, goodness. I feel like this was full of travel anecdotes and maybe light on Sound of Music content. But I'm... <laughs> it was, but that's okay. fine. But I, I'm, I'm okay with it, unless you, unless you want to get into it a little bit more. I don't think so. I will say if, there, if in your city there's a Sound of Music sing-along... Um, I highly recommend you go because it's just a lot of people who love the sound of music and they give you props. Um, and it's just, it's just a real treat and just like pure happiness and joy. That sounds amazing. Well, Ari, thank you so much for coming and chatting with me about wine and travel and the sound of music and it's all the things that make life worth living really yes really true (laughs) you're so welcome thank you for having me of course is there anything you want to plug like where can people find you on the internet if you want you know you have a pretty excellent instagram oh thank you yeah i don't i'm not like a public internet person yeah Um, that's fine i'm i'm just i'm just a person in the world you don't need to find me anywhere Is that weird? I feel like everyone plugs things, but like, I don't really have stuff to plug. I'm just a person doing my life. (laughs) That is so fine. (laughs) Well, Ari, thank you so much. You're so Um, welcome. Uh, So long. Farewell. Farewell. Auf Wiedersehen. Auf Wiedersehen. Adieu. Adieu. Adieu to you. And you. And you. Pairing was created, hosted, and produced by Emma Scherzarko, with music and audio recording by Winston Shaw, and logo artwork by Darcy Zimmerman and Katie Huey. This episode was edited by Emma Scherzarko. Follow us on Twitter, Tumblr, Facebook, and Instagram at Pairing Podcast to keep tabs on what we're up to. 
And feel free to send us any thoughts, questions, requests, and pairings of your own on our website, thepairingpodcast.com, via email at pairingpodcast at gmail.com, or on any social media platform. Come check us out on Patreon at patreon.com slash pairingpodcast, where you can pledge as little as $1 a month and get access to exclusive content, customized pairings from me, live streams, and more. Check out our new merch store on our website at thepairingpodcast.com slash merch. If you enjoyed the show, please consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts and sharing with your friends. Thank you so much for listening to Pairing, where you come for the stories and stay for the wine. <laughs>